Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. God's good, isn't he? Appreciate you guys braving the rain, even though it quit before service. I appreciate you guys making the effort, extra effort uh, and thought of, of getting here, uh, even on a rainy Wednesday. Uh, a child, uh, a kid, just asked his father one time, how were people born? So his father said Adam and Eve made babies, and then their babies became adults and made babies and so on. Uh, the child then went to his mother and asked her the same question. She told him, we were monkeys, and then we evolved to become like we are now. The child ran back to his father and said, you lied to me. And his father said, no, your mom was talking about her side of the family. <laughs> that was good, huh? Is, if Jason's still in there, I... I would really like to get those in the middle screen if you can do it. Uh, tonight, I'm going to preach out of the book of Ruth. I'm calling this From Bitter to Better. And over the years, I, uh, from when I preached out of the book of Ruth, I've usually uh, kind of gone off from the title character, who was Ruth. And she had, in the midst of this story, goes in to live in a foreign land, she was an immigrant, which amounted to uh, her becoming uh, uh, an outcast or the very possibility of becoming an outcast. She had no idea what was going to happen when she went in to the land of Israel. She was loyal to her mother-in-law, Naomi. In fact, she spoke some of the most beautiful words of of uh, uh, enjoining of hearts together, and they're written in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, nor to turn back from following after you, for wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge, and your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Isn't that good? She's, you can tell she's made a, uh, Ruth has made a commitment to her mother-in-law, Naomi, hadn't she? So the climax of the story of the book of Ruth is how she, Ruth ends up marrying one of the richest men in the land, and then they have a son who became the grandfather of David, king of Israel. And then uh, generations later in her lineage uh, came Jesus, the king of kings uh, and the Lord of lords. This is really the, the, the book of Ruth. It's only, I think, four chapters long. It's a great story. You ought to read it through the, the book of Ruth. But the other prominent person in the story uh, that other times that I've preached out of the book of Ruth, I've, I've kind of just mentioned her in passing, uh, and that is Naomi. And so I want to focus on her tonight, Naomi, and her life tells us a story that all of us can relate to 
at times in our life. Some of you tonight, this is going to be uh, especially helpful to you with what you're experiencing possibly right now. Now, instead of reading a bunch of verses that have a whole bunch of names that are really hard to pronounce, I'm going to give you a synopsis of what happens uh, to Naomi at the beginning of the story. The book of Ruth begins with a famine in the land of Israel. Naomi and her husband go into the land of Moab. They're, they're leaving uh, their home country because of the famine that's in the land, and they move to Moab, and they stay there. Not a great place for a Jew or for Jews to go because there's bad blood between the Israelites and the Moabites, historically. So their sons, uh, Naomi and her husband's sons, uh, need wives, so they end up marrying Moabite women. This wasn't a great thing for Jews to do either because God had told them not to intermingle with people from other nations. Then Naomi's husband dies. Then both of her sons die. And so you kind of get the feel of this. There's a famine. They go to Moab. Their sons marry uh, outside of their faith. Her husband dies. Both her sons die. And now she's left alone with her two daughters-in-law. She decides to go back into the land of Israel, and she tells her daughters-in-laws to go back to their own families, to their own people, and to remarry. She's heading out back to her homeland. But one of them, as she goes away, Ruth makes her famous declaration, wherever you go, I'll go. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. So they move back to Bethlehem in Israel, and this is where we kind of pick back up on the story here in the Scripture we're going to read out of Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. Now the two of them, this is Naomi and Ruth, went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them, and the women said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? You get kind of a feeling of a little bit of kind of a oppression <laughs> in these words. You get a feeling of some heartache and some hardship. She goes, Naomi goes back into her homeland. Everybody's excited. Woo! Naomi's here. Naomi's back. And Naomi says, do not call me. Don't call me Naomi. Her name meant pleasant. She says, don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara, or literally Call me bitter. Now, over the years, as I've read through this story and I preached that, you know, truthfully, I've had kind of an attitude about Naomi's attitude. 
And, and I've kind of thought to myself, oh, come on, really? You, Mara, call you Mara? You're going to change your name because some bad stuff happened in your life? But you know, as you get, go through life, even in the Christian life, I've had, uh, I've experienced some things and some difficulties and some hardships and some heartaches, some heartbreaks in my life that have tended to make me feel a little more compassionate towards other people's trials. Now, this woman, Naomi, really did have some setbacks and heartaches, didn't she? She had, her family, they had been through a time of famine. They moved to a foreign land, Moab. Her sons married outside of their faith. Her husband dies. Both her boys die. And now she comes home with nothing, and she's bitter. And before we're too hard on her, we really kind of need to consider ourselves, don't we? See, I don't believe that her story is that far from our own story at times, at one time or another in our life, or maybe several times in our life. Uh, even as we're living for God, we may experience some of the emotions, some of the feeling that Naomi has felt. Lots of us here tonight have been through a series of misfortunes that have left us wondering what in the world is going on in my life and where's God in all of this? It, it could be a financial problem, it might be a family crisis or a health issue, or sometimes in our life it's just a whole bunch of things that pile up and it seems hard to deal with because it's one, it seems like one thing after another after another. And they, those things can make us bitter. And so we need to be careful here because bitter is bad. Say bitter is bad. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone should fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled or tainted or stained. That word defiled means stained or tainted. Bitterness is bad. It will cause us to lose sight, blind us to the grace of God and the help of God in our life. It will color our outlook in life. So I want you to say it again, bitter is bad. Tell yourself, don't get better. That was pretty weak. Tell yourself, don't get better. There you go. That's pretty good. Naomi had gotten bitter, and it colored her outlook on life and on God himself. And she says, we read it, she says, I went out full, and I came back empty. Now, that is a not-so-slight exaggeration. She didn't go out full. She went out. She and her husband went out in a time of famine. I mean, she didn't go out, Woo, man, we're going to Moab because we're full. They went out because they were hungry. They went into the land of the So it can kind of disorient us, the, the difficulty, the trials 
that we experience. It can color our outlook on life. And that's what happened to her. She goes, I, uh, I went out full. I've come back empty. And uh, God has even testified against me. Listen, trials, heartache, hardship have a way of confusing us. We can lose sight of the grace of God and wonder if He Himself is against us. I went through something several decades ago that was very hard, and in the midst of it, it, it was actually kind of confusing. Now, I had been pastoring for a good period of time when this event happened, and uh, I, I knew what the Bible said, that God was for me and not against me. I, I knew the doctrine of it, but in the midst of my emotion and in my feeling, it sure didn't feel like God was very much for me at the moment. I knew the doctrine, but the feeling at that time, I was kind of confused, and it almost felt like, you know, I really don't know what I did to tick God off, but it must have been something for me to feel this bad. You ever kind of had any kind of feelings like that? Trials can be confusing. They can confuse us. And this is why Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is a try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. The reason it says that is because when we're going through a trial, a fiery trial, we think it's really strange. Why am I, we wonder, why am I going through this? And if, if God uh, loves me so much, if God is for me, then why in the world would I be going through something like this? So, I want to encourage us tonight in two areas that will help us get through stuff. Because I can tell you, and I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to be a, uh, a bearer of bad tidings tonight. It's just reality that in our lives, we are going to go through some stuff. We're going to go through some things that rattle us at times. There are things that can knock us off balance a little bit in our lives. It can be a little confusing sometimes. So there's a couple of things that, that are real basic, but that will really help us when we're going through stuff. Firstly, just because things are going uh, wrong or counter to what we would like to at that time in our lives, it does not mean God is against us. In Romans 8 and verse 31, he says, what shall we say to these things, these things, the things that are going wrong, the difficulties, the trials, the heartaches, the heartbreaks, the hardships? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now, we look sometimes at what's going on and going wrong and wonder, is God for me? Of course He is. Now, tell somebody, of course He is. That's what Romans 8, 31, who, what should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So how do we know that God is for us? How can we really know when every emotion inside of us is screaming out, 
Is God really for me? And if God is really for me, then why do I feel like this? Why am I going through this? How can we be sure? We can be sure by the verse that follows, uh, Romans 8, 31, by this verse in verse 32, it says, uh, and this is something to remember in times when your emotions are screaming out, is God really for me? In Romans 8, 32, it says, God, He, God the Father, who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Listen tonight. God settled the question for all time and eternity. How can I know God is for me? Because He allowed Jesus to be delivered up for us all. And the wording here is very specific, for us all. Because see, what we can think is, well, I can see God uh, doing it for him or for her or for them, but what about me? And that's why he says, for us all. Now say this with me, for us all. And then turn to somebody and say, that includes you. See, God the Father delivered up His Son for us all, and we have to remember when circumstances, trials, heartache, and problems scream at us, uh, God isn't for you. We have to reply with Romans 8.32. He did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And so we got to know God is for us. I want you to tell yourself God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Got to remember that. We have to remember. It's one of the great things in the midst of trouble, trial, heartache, hardship that will keep us kind of anchored and that is that God is for us. That's the first thing. Second thing is, we need to remember that it's not going to last. Whatever that, that difficulty, whatever that trial, whatever that hardship, heartache that we're going through, it's temporary. Now, I've had a lot of dental work done in, in my mouth over the years. I've got like 11 crowns. Yeah, it's funny. I, I've been to the dentist, and, and they take x-rays, and they go, oh, you, have, you still have all your teeth. And I tell them, only kind of, sort of. They, I mean, 11 of them had been filed down the little nubs and a crown put on them. And so I've had 11 crowns. That's, that's a lot. I've had five or six root canals. I had one root canal that was particularly irritating and annoying because I had to have it done on the same tooth again. Can I tell you what's more annoying than a root canal? That's having to have the same root canal done again on the same stinking tooth. I had to go to uh, a specialist in Las Vegas, and they told me when I went in, they said, oh, it'll, it'll, probably, it'll probably only take about an hour. It took them two long hours. And you know why? This molar that I had the root canal on had 
five roots in it, one molar. Normally, a molar will have two or three roots in it. Mine had five, so I asked him, I said, so I'm a freak of nature? And the dental assistant laughed and said, no. She was kind and says, you're unique. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there. They start putting shots in and all that. And, you know, you know it's not going to be fun when they put safety goggles on you. <laughs> they did. They put safety goggles. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I, I don't think I've ever had them put safety goggles on me before. But they, they begin to shoot and shoot and shoot and drill and drill and file, jackhammers, you know. That's a little overstatement, but it felt like it. And you know what gets you through stuff like that? It's understanding this is not going to last. When we're going through things in our life, when we're experiencing trouble and trial, we need to remind ourselves it's not going to always be this way. This is not going to last. And that's what 2 Corinthians 4.17 is talking about. Paul's writing, and he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal work or weight of glory. Now, at the moment, see, he says, which is but for a moment, uh, it may not feel like a moment. How many of you along with me tonight have been through some really long moments? But we have to remind ourselves something that will help get us through, and that is, this is not going to last. Tell yourself, it's not going to last. I want to look at from bitter to better and come back to Naomi and our story because this really is an incredibly encouraging story. And this is what hits me, and it just moves my heart. Naomi thought God was finished with her, and that's why she's bitter. She feels like life, the joy of life, the happiness of life, all the good things of life we're over for her now. And so she comes back. She says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. But listen, while all this feeling and emotion is going on in her, God is orchestrating things behind the scenes to work in her life that will absolutely blow her mind. See, that's the way God does in the midst of our lives, when we feel like uh, it's over or God's finished with us or forgotten about us or just not even thinking about us, he's always working and moving. we got to remember that. And no, he's doing something to set us up for blessing. Romans 8, verse 28 says, and we know, and we have to know this, that all things work together. All things work together for good. All things are not good, but God can cause them to work together for our good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. See, he is always working. You must, we must remind ourselves that 
God's always there. He's always working. He hadn't forgotten about us. He hadn't lost track on what's going on in our life. Uh, he is not uh, uh, unconcerned. He's very concerned, and, and more than being concerned, he's working always behind the scenes and preparing and getting ready to bless us, to blow our minds. And that is what happened to this woman, Naomi. To fully appreciate what happens, we need to remember that she feels like her life is over. All the good's gone. It's, she's never going to be joyful, never really going to experience happiness again. She's bitter. But the greatest, listen, the greatest thing that God has ever done in her life is getting ready to happen. Who I love that about God. There are times when we feel like it's all over. I don't know if I'll ever experience real joy in my life again or real happiness. And God is working behind the scenes doing something where he's got, oh, he saves the best for last. That's why Jesus turning the water into wine, the guy that was uh, over the, uh, uh, the marshal, over the wedding, says, you know, they usually bring the best wine out first, and then at the end, just that uh, junk. But he says, you, the water that Jesus turned into wine, he says, you saved the best for last. That's indicative. It was the first miracle that Jesus did, and it was to show what he does in our life. He saves the best for last. Ooh, I'm going to preach on that sometime. <laughs> oh, I might be just doing it now. But the water and the wine, he saves the best for last. He's always working. Don't ever lose track of the sun. I know that there are times, because I've been there in my life, where I felt like, you know, I think I'll just, I'll continue to serve God, but I don't know if I'll ever be really happy again or joyful, things like, but God always working behind the scenes, setting us up for goodness and favor and blessing. We have to hope when the hope is not even there where it seems like there is no hope. We hope against hope like Abraham that God's going to come through and do something. And that's what he did with Naomi. They come back, Naomi and Ruth get into Bethlehem and they arrive at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now there was a law of God that as they went and reaped their fields, that they weren't to pick it clean. They were to go through and reap, but to leave some of the gleanings or leftovers for the poor of the land. And so Naomi told Ruth to go out into the field and glean, and so Ruth goes out into the field, and she just, and the Bible words it, it her hap was, or just so happened that she ended up in the field of Boaz. Boaz was a wealthy man, and he had heard how good Ruth had been to her mother-in-law. And so he told the young men who were working in the fields, don't you mess with her. Don't you give her any trouble. Yeah, in fact, he says you're going to bless her. And as you're going through and as she's gleaning and getting those little uh, bits of barley that are left over, he says let fall some of the handfuls on purpose for. And so this is, you've got to picture it. She's a poor little girl going to glean just to get a little bit enough for her and the only to 
to be able to eat a little bit that night. And so she's gleaning along, and then she comes on a big pile. And she goes, whoo, man. And she gleans, gets that pile, and then she goes a little bit further, and another one, and another one, and another one. That's the blessing and goodness and the favor of God. That's what we have to look forward to in our lives. God will give us handfuls on purpose. We need to look for it. We need to expect it. We need to believe for it in the midst of our difficulty. So Ruth comes back from the field and she, she looks like Santa Claus, you know. She's got that big old bag on her shoulder. She comes in and, and man, Naomi goes, oh my gosh, how, what? Where did you go to glean? And she tells her, I just happened to end up in Boaz's field. And Ruth's, or Naomi says, well, guess what? He's a close relative of ours. And to make a long story short, Boaz falls in love with Ruth, marries her, and they live happily ever after. Not only that, but they have a son says in Ruth 4, verse 14, Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative. May his name be famous in Israel. And then verse 17, Also the neighbor women gave him a name, saying there's a son born to Naomi. He's actually born to Ruth, but because she was a daughter-in-law of Naomi, she says, uh, they shall call his name Obed, and he is the father of Jesse and the father of David. And Naomi uh, took care of that little uh, grandson uh, uh, that was born to her, and she was blessed in her life. See, this, this is what I love about God. How can we not love a God like this? He's so good. She thought life was over. Over for her. She thought no more joy, no more fulfillment, no more happiness, but this is one of the great God did it stories in the Bible. And God turned everything around to bless her and her family. And she comes uh, and has a boy who's going to become the grandfather of David, the king of Israel. And we look down later in her lineage. Uh, and she actually comes in to where her family, uh, after the begets and the begets in Matthew chapter 1, comes Jesus Christ himself. Oh, what an amazing story. God takes this woman, Naomi, and this other woman, Ruth, and flips their life around for good and blesses them and brings them in to the heritage of the Son of the living God. Wow, man, I, woo, man, I can't help myself. It's good. Say, God's good. Now, there's a huge moral to this story that we need to get tonight. Those times when we think God has forgotten us or given up or just not interested in us, we need to remember Naomi. She thought it was all over. She thought life was just going to be blah. And God showed her it really was just the beginning in a very real way. And so tonight, that's my message to you, is that when you feel heartache, hardship, trial, 
and you wonder, am I going to experience real joy again or happiness or contentment or blessing? Can I tell you something about the way God is? Your God, our God, the one who delivered his own son up for us all, for you, for me, he's got handfuls on purpose for us. He's going to drop handful, and hand, you, we need to expect it. We need to hope for it. We need to believe for it in the midst of our struggle, not get so confused and disoriented where we can't look to the other side. But I want to encourage us. It's not going to last. Whatever it is, hardship, difficulty you're going through tonight, uh, it's, a, it's a temporary thing. It's, you're going to sense God's presence again. You're going to hear God's voice again speaking into your heart and life, you're going to uh, enjoy His presence uh, in fullness again. He's going to give and release handfuls on purpose again and again and again. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Because God is for us. Say, God is for me. Praise God. Let's bow our head and close our eyes tonight. God's in this place. The Holy Spirit is helping us tonight. There's a very simple message, but a very powerful truth, and that is that God is always working behind the scenes in our life, not just for Him or for her, but for you. In your life, my life, He's always at work behind the scenes to bring us into blessings that can just blow our minds. He's a good God. He's a great God. He's, he's so good. He gave everything for us. And tonight, if you've given your heart to Christ, then hope in Him. If you never have given your heart to Him, or if you have at one time and you've walked away and tonight you're here and you say, you know what, I, I'm coming back to the Lord and and you just would like to be remembered in prayer for forgiveness and coming home to Jesus. You just, no one looking around for a moment, just slip your hand up and, and by that hand lift it up and say, just remember me in prayer in, in closing tonight. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Bless you. Honest hearts. Amen. You can put your hands down. God bless you. Hallelujah. He loves you. He loves us. He loves us. Tonight, we're going to pray. Let's all stand, and I want us to pray together. I want us all to just repeat this prayer. God is so good. Don't you sense the goodness of God? He is so good. He loves us so much. He is a blesser. He's, he's not one that curses us. He blesses us. People may try to curse us, but God will turn the curse into a blessing. I'm telling you, happens all the time. It's, it's amazing what God does. If people uh, come against us and attack us and say uh, things that, that are amount to a, a curse, and God turns it around and just blesses. You know why? Because we belong to Him. He's our Father. Let's pray this together. Let's just bow our heads, and if you'd repeat this out with me aloud. Lord Jesus, thank you for allowing yourself to be given up for me, for dying on the cross 
and shedding your blood for my sin. I know that I have sinned, but I believe you died for me. Thank you for paying the price so that I don't have to. And Lord, I believe in the midst of my life, you are for me and not against me. That the hard stuff, the bad times, are not going to last. You are always working, setting me up for something good, for blessing. I declare it by faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give the Lord a clap and thank him? Thank you for it, Jesus. Praise God. I intentionally preach tonight to encourage us. I believe that as, as God's people, we need to be encouraged. And there are times we go through and experience hardship and heartache. If you're not there now, uh, stick this and bury it in your heart and pull it out. At the times you're experiencing some confusion or wondering what in the world's going on in my life, listen, God never loses track of us. He never forgets about us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And he's setting us up for good things and for blessing. Can you say, I believe that? Praise God. Our prayer team is going to be up here in the front to pray with you. If you'd like personal prayer, they are here to pray with you. God bless you. God love you. Have a good rest of the evening. Before you go to sleep tonight, say, God, I know that you're good and you're for me. Bless you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.